2: We Thrive. I am Sandra Primo and I'm Tammy Salas and we are the Unruffled. Hello Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show
1: by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the Unruffled Podcast.
2: And that's not it. You can share our show on social media, or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now on to the show. Hey, Sandra. Good morning. How are you, my friend? I am great. Yeah.
1: We're heading into a big weekend here. Is your, your great, good plans for the weekend or family life or
2: No. no? There's no plans. <laughs> Anyone have plans s- this weekend? I mean, I'm I don't know. S- I'm sorry. You're right. It's completely clear on my calendar. <laughs> yeah. Let me look. Uh, no, no plans. Still no doing plans. nothing. Okay. Right. So. No. We had even just, I don't know, just had a simple little swim reservation at Barton Springs. And now that has been, mm. we are, Austin is back on you know, stay at home orders. So everything's canceled. Everything is canceled, except for moving back into our house. And so that's kind of what we're doing. Our lease here is up at the end of July. We just wrote the last check for rent and our house isn't done, but we are moving in anyway. (laughs) So I don't know. I'm trying not to stress out about it. It's just going to happen. So yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at. (laughs) We
1: had a former guest on here, um, Nikki, I'm drawing a blank on her last name, but I liked it. She used to always say like, Christmas is canceled. Yes. (laughs) Like something would happen. That's how it feels right now. Like Barton Springs is canceled. Our governor, Mm -hmm. Newsom in California, is yeah, shit's going down. He's getting firm. He's like a dad that's pissed off right now. He's
2: like, people, what are you doing? What is home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got, they texted our phones even, you know, oh. like stay your asses home. <laughs> Just stay at home. Like <laughs> That's that. Texas. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have a, a guy in my morning meeting who's from Oakland. He's kind of an Oakland Raiders fan and he had a kind of a hard hard life. And he always, it says, don't make me go Oakland on your ass. He's 80, <laughs> year, he's 80 years old, by the way. <laughs> he's still got a lot of Oakland in him, he says. And I love it when he says that. So like Texas has gone big. They're like, mm. we're going to far and wide. We're going to
2: text you people now. Stay yep. home. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting the message, obviously. So here, here it is right to your phone.
1: <laughs> <sighs> yes. Yes. Okay. Well, yes. Staying home over here too, but still good. Nothing. Um, you know, I traveled a little bit, which was a little bit nerve wracking. I'm not going to focus on that too much. It was nerve wracking, but, um, I'm home and I'm happy to be home and I'm getting a couch delivered today. Sandra. I've been living without a couch for two months.
2: Mm. That's,
1: that's not so comfortable. I just have to say not. So now, is it something that you have to put together? <laughs> well, they're delivering it. Um, soon. And, um, I'm hoping I don't have to put it together. We'll find okay. out.
2: We'll find out. <laughs> I mean, I would assume couches come put together. Maybe yeah. have to screw some legs on or something. Yeah,
1: I think that might be it, but it's beautiful. And it's, it's what I want. It's the couch I've always wanted. <laughs> oh, nice. Modern, uh, mid-century modern, beautiful legs. It's kind of ivory, oatmeal-y, taupe Um, I love color, but like my walls in my house are all beige and tan. Um, and then everything else I kind of accent with color, but the basics are kind of, yeah, they're kind of boring. Um, yeah. So that's what I got going on a couch getting delivered and that's my big excitement.
2: That is exciting. Yeah. That's that's Exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll be prepping for a colonoscopy soon. So that's what's, that's, you know, if we want to talk about excitement, that's, that's about it. That's about it. (laughs) Um, I
1: win. I just want to (laughs) say on that one. I do. I'm the winner on that one. Okay. Let's get into the intro here. We have um, have to, yeah. Let's (laughs) Let's leave that there. Let's leave that there. Um, You don't want to talk about poop today? All right. (laughs) I think you know I don't. That's my four-letter word. You know, I don't like (laughs) talking about it. I love talking to you. Okay. (laughs) Um, So today, really quickly, Florence,
2: Italy. Flow mm. our retreat. Mm-hmm. Our remember retreat that, that was like, remember we were planning for that. It seems like halcyon
1: it's just days. A distant memory, <laughs> dreaming up all these fabulous things to do and wear caftans and have disco dance parties and eat lots of good food and stay in renovated convents and a sixteen thousand mm. square foot uh, villa that we were going to stay in. So, yeah, do you remember those days, Sandra? I remember those days. remember those days and and like weekly calls with our favorite friend Cody and, um, planning things and itineraries and spreadsheets. And yes, (laughs) Uh, well, so that had had to cancel our, we called it flow and it was our retreat to go to Florence, Italy and to, um, travel with other sober women and meet artisans and eat a lot of good food and lay by the pool and just kind of, uh. And, and we, we had some classes we were going to teach and workshops that we were creating mm-hmm. and that all, you know, as with everything had to go on the back burner and and not happen. And we had to cancel that. So we, um, in the process of doing and planning that, uh, retreat had the good fortune of meeting today's guest, Carol Ann Sicbaldi and Carol is the conductor of authentic local experiences Um, and leads trips in almost all regions from the Alpine peaks of the stunning Dolomites to the most Southern reaches of Sicily and Puglia. And she was going to offer her services to us and be a guest
0: at the retreat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And And she she,
2: was really, she had done a lot of work for us already and planning some tours and, and all that. And, um, but we're, we're on pause now. We're on pause. Yeah hmm. Yeah. She was also um, a little more about Carol. She was born in Western Massachusetts um, into an Italian immigrant family. She's lived in Italy for over 20 years now, and she's a single mom raising two teenage boys just outside of Florence in the countryside. And she talks a lot about in the interview about where she is exactly. And um, she has a BA in communications and women's studies from Boston College. She also studied film, video, photography at the Art Institute in San Francisco. She's an accredited food a taster, having taken several courses in official honey chocolate and olive oil tasting at the gas at the gastronomic academy in um, Bologna um, Italy it, yes. and yeah she yeah, what a fun job Carol has that she's created yes. for herself
1: and how that's morphed and changed over the years and how she keeps doing these beautiful uh, custom made bespoke trips um, and, and experiences for people. Um, to find mo- out more about Carol, and I highly encourage that you do, you, please visit her beautiful website, carolsmovablefeast.com. You can read more on, on the different tabs, the type of tour she does, and more of her um, about story. Um, she's also on Instagram at carols underscore movable underscore feast. Facebook, same thing, Carol's Movable Feast, and on Twitter at
2: carol underscore all right Right. i hope you enjoy her as much as we did right yes you can travel to italy through your ears (laughs) (laughs) enjoy Enjoy. (laughs) hey carol welcome to the show
0: hello tammy hi sangha
2: good morning carol so excited to talk to you finally
0: uh thanks for having me on the pod this is very exciting
2: yeah i was
1: so happy um i was looking at my phone and doing a little bit of research yesterday and i was looking at when you originally contacted me like in a private message on um, instagram and it was in uh, january of 2019. so can you know you're all the way around the world instagram has connected us um can you tell our listeners where we're talking to you from
0: yes i am i live in tuscany italy and i'm just um about 40 kilometers south of Florence in the countryside. Mm.
2: Yeah. I just want to dream that for a minute.
0: I know. I know. It's just (laughs) like, I'm just closing my
2: eyes. I really am. I'm just kind of letting that settle in.
1: (laughs) And remind me how long you've been there, Carol. Remind me how long it's been since you moved there.
0: 20 years. Wow. Twenty years. Yeah. Not just in Tuscany. I was in Bologna for 10 and I have been in Tuscany for 10. So it's really kind of, interesting. And it's, it doesn't seem like much because, you know, um, Emilia Romagna is just that the the region just north of Tuscany, but um, it's very different as things are in Tuscany from uh, in Italy from one region to the next. So my experience in Emilia Romagna was quite different from my my experience here in Tuscany.
2: Mm, Yeah. And Carol, real quick, where were you born and
0: raised? You were born and raised in the States, right? That's right, in western mass, okay so I grew up in a really small town in western Massachusetts. I studied in Boston and San Francisco mm. and um, then lived in those two places primarily before before I moved to Italy 20 years ago.
2: yeah
1: and was I know I know you have family um, origin story that, that is based in Italy, but also cycling took you there too, right that you have a passion for cycling and
0: that's right, when I lived in San Francisco, I started getting into biking um, because the landscapes there are so beautiful and it's a beautiful sport. And I started cycling a lot and then coming to visit my relatives because I'm Italian American and my grandparents immigrated from Piedmont and in Tuscany in the, in the 1920s. I started coming over and staying with cousins and then biking around Italy. And that's, that's sort of when I fell in love even more so uh, in it, with, with road cycling and, you know, especially here in Italy.
2: Oh, I bet. Scenery probably makes a difference, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's beautiful in California as well. And there are many, many beautiful places to cycle, but there is something about cycling here. That's, that's quite special. Maybe it's the history around, um, biking here and how people use the bicycle in so many different ways. And, um, yeah. I don't know. There's something romantic about it, I suppose.
1: Mm, yeah. The whole country, the whole country romantic. So, <laughs> at least to me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Carol, usually at the top of the show, we kind of um, ask our, our guest, you know, that we're chatting with to tell us a little bit like how you came to the decision to quit drinking. And so I know we have, um, we have quite, we're at the top of the show. We have the hour. We want to just kind of dig in with you because I think you have a story that's going to resonate with many of our listeners. I know it did with me. Um, so would you mind sharing with us how you came to that decision to quit drinking?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so I have been um, organizing, designing, and leading trips primarily, primarily here in Italy, but also other places in Europe, but mostly here in Italy uh, for over 20 years. So something like 26, 27 years now. And you know, when you're a tour guide, um, and you're taking people around to have a good time, whether it's, you know, hiking or biking, there's a physical activity and that's all wonderful, but people typically on these tours drink quite a bit. And so years ago, when, when I got into the industry, I was like, whoa, because then the guides sit down with the guests at night and the wine is flowing and people just start drinking like crazy. And so I, I always thought it was kind of odd, but guides were allowed to drink with the guests, of course, unless you were driving them or having to drive them to a hotel or something. And... And it's not that uncommon that over the years, many tour guides, you know, end up having a bit of a struggle with alcohol because when you're in this business and like I said, the wine is flowing or even, you know, some sommeliers I know have just struggled because you're just around it all the time and it becomes kind of second nature. Even if there is that kind of cultural element here in Italy where people sit down and have wine at lunch, wine at dinner. But I, I will say, and ha- after having lived here for a long time, they're very uh, modest about you know it's it's a glass of wine with lunch and a glass of wine with dinner. Um, so what happened over time is I just found myself um, indulging and then indulging more and more and. And then it was slow, you know, that kind of little voice in the back of your head, like mm, something is getting less and less um, okay about this. And so that that went on for, for quite some time. And then I would stop for a while and start back up and stop and, you know, or say, okay, I'm gonna go on tour this week and I'm not gonna drink or, you know, whatever. Lots of um, false starts and stops and, um you know, promises to myself, this and that. I mean, we've all been there. Right. And, um, but the last two years were very, very interesting for me in the sense that um, in the fall of 2018, I was um, involved with another tour guide, a man who uh, also had his own tour company. And we collaborated a lot on different tours around Italy and, work together, and um, I knew that he wasn't drinking, but there was very, something very odd about how, he, when he would go off to France to lead a tour, he kind of disappear for days, and I, would, I wouldn't hear from him. And there were some other things that just didn't click, but, but there was a lot of um, connection and passion, and anyways, without getting into too many details about it, um, he committed suicide and he committed suicide the first day of a tour that we were supposed to lead together. And it was a kind of very shocking, um, unfolding of events. And and then of course, after his death, I learned a lot about his drinking history and um, he was in, you know, huge amounts of debt all over, all over Italy and in France and all kinds of, you know, deep, dark secrets came out. So,
1: Carol, let me, I'm sorry, just to ask a quick question. Were you in sure. relationship with him as, um, as romantically, or was it just as business, or was it both?
0: We were, we were slowly getting romantically involved okay. before mm-hmm. his death. Yes. Yeah, okay. so it wasn't like we were an official couple, and it, mm-hmm. it was kind of the beginnings of something. And But he, you know, in retrospect, I understand now why he was kind of keeping me at a distance and, oh, that's and so
1: devastating that's yeah. so devastating and you didn't yeah. see his drink you didn't
2: see his drinking at well, he
0: never drank when wow. he was around me or on tour so it was kind of these you know it was kind of, of
2: sneaky yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah 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 binge drinking um away from uh, away from tours and when he was right. on his own and-
1: were you drinking at this
0: time I was on and off with my my own drinking at the time, yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Thanks. I'm just trying to get a frame around it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's so tragic. I can't even imagine. So the first day you're supposed to lead a tour and-
0: Yeah, it was the first day of the tour and um, he just didn't show up. and, And then the second day he didn't show up. And meanwhile, I'm kind of grappling with kind of the group and taking care of guests and I couldn't get in touch with them. and it, it was all kind of very, very scary and sad and tragic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what what really was there, um, what, what made all of that even more powerful was about six or seven months later, my my oldest brother, I'm um, I'm number four of five kids mm-hmm. and my parents are, are no longer with us but my eldest brother who was 64 um died of liver cancer related to alcohol mm. so uh yeah he was a he was uh, at the worst stage of you know liver disease and very very sick and was hoping to get a transplant that he was so far gone and there was suspicion that he was even drinking right up to the end. Oh, so very tragic. very tragic story just right after um, this other this other incredible event with, with this man in my life and so it was at that point where I remember being at my brother's funeral in Western Mass and standing there thinking this, this is a sign. From, right. Uh, but this is, this is really, um, this is it. But I will say it was not the final final. I still, right. you know, I still struggled and drank some after that. So it's been a journey, a real journey journey and can you imagine after you know having those two like major deaths for very very important people in my life and i still you know picked up a glass of wine um it just it just kept getting more and more clear to me though after that and i don't know quite i don't know the best words to describe it but Right. It's like the curtain, it's almost
2: like the curtain parts a bit and, you know, what you've already seen, you can't unsee. So it just sort of plants that, that, you know, the voice was already there, but the voice starts getting a little louder and a little louder and a little louder. But it's bad, it's cunning and baffling, you know, like, like they say. It logically, it makes no sense, right?
0: Yeah, I mean... I'm sure. I'm sure that you can relate to this, but but for a long time, I felt like you know, like I, I had been, you know, to AA, and I had two different sponsors, and I went through the steps twice, and then I, you know, had done some stuff, um, and still continue to be somewhat involved with um, Annie Grace and, and the Naked Mind, this this Naked Mind, and I. You know, I had like different nutritionists that I worked with and and um, exercise programs and um, other kind of spiritual retreats I would go on and each time you think, okay, this is gonna this is gonna be it. This is gonna after this I'm really gonna stop drinking. And then you drink again. And but I but I realized that it's just all part of the journey that every single thing that I did and every encounter, retreat, I mean in some ways book or memoir that I read was all part of the path leading up to when I finally had my last drink, which was December 13th of 2019. So it's like 203 days now. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, Carol. So, okay. That's a lot to unpack. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. It's hard to, um, My brother-in-law passed away three years ago, um, drank himself to death as well, Um, or not as well, that wasn't your brother's story, I'm sorry, but drank himself to death. And um, it's really hard to be, um, for me, it was really hard to be uh, at the funeral and and having the level of, of sadness and wanting to have the level of respect for his life, but also that no one was talking about it and that no one thought he had a problem. So it's really hard. It's hard to reconcile the two. And I was kind of left a little bit undone after that. Um, grateful for my own sobriety. But yeah, if I had been drinking, um, it's hard to make sense of it. And, and to see the pain on other people's and how they were processing that um, was hard. It was really hard to, to witness. Um,
0: That's a really good point, Tammy. I, I, you're just reminding me how at my brother's funeral, no, you know, it was all there was so much denial. Like nobody wanted to talk about about it Um, you know or people would say things like oh it's so sad that you know Mike wasn't doing so well or you know it it, nobody nobody wanted to talk about it in a real open way you know that he was an alcoholic and he had struggled with alcohol for so many years and I had to I was asked to give the the eulogy at the mass it was a huge turnout you know of people so it was like this big group of people, and I got up, and and I and I, I thought several times like, should I should I mention it should I break, should I weave it in somehow can I say it in a lighter way or how can I because mm-hmm. I knew that so many people just had there's so much discomfort with it as as we know, yeah. and so I didn't really I th- I think I did mention it in a very kind of um, subtle way and I just focused on all the great things that yeah that he did and his amazing achievements and and what a kind and wonderful, wonderful person he was, you know?
2: Right. Because it's never the whole story, right? You know, like my drinking story isn't my entire story either. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that, um, That's just what we have to do. But I think about too, like, and I'm I'm sorry if I go on to a slight tangent, but you know, when you read those obituaries sometimes where they're just really honest, you know, and it's almost like a cautionary tale. um, And they're so, you know, they can be so shocking, but at the same time, um, it's the, you know, it's just, it's the truth. It's both things, you know, this person was amazing. And this person was in a lot of pain.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My husband was tasked with that same job that you had, and that was hard. And he he had a hard time with it. He had a hard time um, because all of the happy memories were laced with, with booze, um, a lot of them. And it was, it was hard to separate the two. And it didn't go so well eulogy. That's all I'll say about that. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's consequences from that as well. So that are still playing out, but um, that's a huge, it's a huge um, responsibility. And um, yeah, how do you do that? That's a just like, it's almost like an impossible assignment is to give a eulogy. Um, although I've, I've been to funerals for alcoholics and the celebration and the kind of, um, I don't know, it was, it, I, I was, went to one in early recovery from a gal that that passed away in my group, um, my home group, and um, she had a tragic accident on vacation, and not alcohol-related at all, Um, but watching that celebration of life and people talk about her recovery and talk about how she flipped things around and um, letting the whole congregation or whoever showed up at the church talk and get up there and share like it was a meeting, it was really, um, it was an interesting way for me to look at it, you know, and think like, wow, this, seems like it's not such a bad gig to get sober. You know, that was like, I was, I don't know, seven, eight months sober when that happened. Um, you mentioned Carol, that you've worked the steps twice. I've only worked the steps once. So I'm curious. And if you don't mind sharing um, around, when did you work steps and, and how, so this was obviously you've been trying this for a little while. Was that in, in the recent past or could you just give me a, like, how did that go?
0: Yeah, I would say um, in 2017, I started really um, realizing that there was an unhealthy, there was an unhealthiness about um, my drinking. Um, Not so much on tour, because I I sort of got to a point where I realized that I couldn't function (laughs) and work well. And you're responsible for, you know, large or small groups of people, in any case you're responsible for people. So I was really able to get it down to practically nothing on tour but then i would come home and kind of make up for um what i didn't drink on tour but uh i you know i started going to aa meetings in florence and it was a little bit odd because in florence um and it's probably not that way right now because there's no tourists and nobody in florence it wasn't much of a home group because there was so much transience oh. to the people that attended the meetings. so if you could imagine It's the only English, there's only one English-speaking AA meeting in Florence. And so um, everyone goes to that one. Wow. And so it was was a strange um, kind of gathering of folks from all over the world. And it was kind of interesting, but there wasn't like a real feeling of fellowship. And, um, you know, that that just, and and that was the, the closest meeting to me in English and I preferred to do it like in my, in my own language my first whatever mother tongue so uh, I had been to some Italian meetings and they, they were a little bit different in feeling and I can't describe why that is exactly but so I, I, I went for a while and then I discovered the online meetings um, in english and um you know there's a whole bunch of them around europe so i started tapping into that and that was really really nice but again very different and uh so i went through the steps and i had heard you know lots of people say that that it's a good idea to go through the steps um at different times you know Mm -hmm. and it's not something you need to do once so or that is you know once you do it that's that's it. And I found that really to be true, that when you go through it, go through the steps a second time, completely different things come out. Yeah. And, um, it was very, very powerful. The second time And my second sponsor was much, um, a a much better fit for me. So, um, it was, it was, it was all very, very, very positive, but for some reason I didn't, I didn't get sober with AA. Yeah. Um, but that awakened. Yeah, you didn't, Sandra. No, no, I didn't
1: get
2: sober with AA. You were, you were like me. Like we were doing our yeah, own. Yeah, no, I until didn't. Yeah, 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 I didn't go to my first meeting until I was about five months sober.
1: So. Okay. Yeah, I was about seven months. But see, I still credit that with helping. I don't know why I do. <laughs> when you just said that, I was like, huh? Um, yeah, I guess that's true.
2: So no. you
0: you started going to meetings after you were already sober. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was, I was five months sober before I, so I, yeah, I always say that like, I, I don't uh, credit AA at all to my sobriety because it didn't, it wasn't the thing that saved me. Like it has so many, so many people that I know. Yeah. Yeah. I always say that I came
1: to AA when I was seven months sober, seven months and a day, because I was about to drink, um, on my seven month milestone. Um, because I just figured I could, I could factor it back in. Um, but I definitely credit it for um, keeping me um, on the path. And I feel like it has it helped kind of uh, create a foundation. I was looking for one, I was kind of desperately looking for one. Um, so yeah, so yeah, Carol, it's not, I think it's just fascinating because the, the, the steps are, they're no joke, right? Like, I feel like they're this kind of, um, for me, like this little roadmap that I needed. Um, And I can definitely say, like, if it wasn't the thing that got you sober, like, it got you on the path and got you prepped and ready for the next thing that might um, become the thing that would help, you know, help you pivot, right?
0: Exactly, which is what what I was saying earlier, is that I feel like every, every thing that I did, including AA and spiritual retreats and getting into yoga, and, you know, every thing is all, if you could, like, weave i don't know a tapestry of some sort each piece was part of of the step to getting to where i am exactly today
2: yeah um, yeah yeah and would you say though one more question about that would you say though that 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 it came down to it it had to be an internal shift like yes yeah 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 because it's like we look for these like uh, there's like a catalyst or something to nudge us or something outside of us to to, that's so extreme that it's going to force it to happen, but then it, it never does, you know, like people you love die or, or, or you have consequences, but it's, it always comes down. And when, you know, and we've interviewed hundreds of women that it's, it comes down to an in, internal shift every time. Yeah.
1: It's you, you, you know, when you're ready, but you, you, nobody else can know that right? It's really an inside job like you're saying, Sandra, yeah,
0: it's such an inside job, and I think um you know for me it was almost like a trickle, it's like a really good word because i would i would it towards the end it was like a sort of I would have one or two glasses of wine at night and then and then I thought. Then I'd have one, you know, and, and then I thought, you know, this is just so useless and so not, it's not serving me in any way possible. It just so, it, it really came down to like that kind of like, you know, you always part your hair on the same side and you just always do that. <laughs> and right it's a habit that didn't mm-hmm. even have an effect anymore because I wasn't drinking enough to really get, put you know, a a buzz or to really and so it was just like consuming a drink that was bad for my body and was was not just as i said serving me in any way and then and then probably the next day just felt like a little bit tired from it but not even and then and yeah then it was just like this is just so not i don't want this in my life but i think even up to like as i was going through that trickle process The decision was happening inside me right and
1: you listen to that like it's like like, um i wear a ring that's a little compass and i have the you know the north um, point on it is pointing towards me my heart and i think about that inner compass that i had i was always trying it was just always a little bit off (laughs) when i was drinking it couldn't i couldn't get back to me like i couldn't get back to what i really wanted to do or what i really wanted to say or um, I would stuff so much down that I could never really be my true north, right And I feel like now since I've removed alcohol, um, I'm still working on it every day, but I feel like I have a much um, there's like a through line like I can I can get there a lot quicker um, than when I was drinking and clouding and clouding everything. I have clarity in a way that I never had before and I can call myself out on my own bullshit now too in a way that I couldn't be for. I was a, it was an, a, an awkward feeling I would have for a, I knew I told a, um, a little lie or knew I wasn't totally honest, but I didn't ever want to call myself out. And now I, I don't have a problem with that. Or if someone else calls me out, uh, I may not like it. <laughs> um, but I can't ignore it anymore. And I think that's the thing, like that kind of nagging little feeling that we have inside. Um, which I've been likening to intuition for a long time. I've been talking about it and I, and the other night I realized like, (laughs) and and maybe I'm just late to the party getting here, but my intuition is my higher power. I just never listened to it. (laughs) I never connected with it. I, I kind of kept it at bay or I thought it was a fluke when it would happen or, you know, don't listen to that voice, but it was always there. I was always there yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so Carol, so so I reached out to you in February, so i 'm looking at your dates here on this little timeline i 'm having keeping notes. Um, you had reached out to me in January of two thousand and nineteen, so that must have been a few months after your um, your friend passed away, right you said 20. in the fall of two thousand and eighteen, so you reached out to me in January of two thousand and nineteen with a message on Instagram, and then. You quit drinking in December of 2019 and I reached out to you in February, the very beginning of February when Sandra and I were planning this incredible retreat to Florence. So you were just freshly sober. You were like, and right. so eager and so, um, so awesome to say yes to, to wanting to help us and be part of it. And I loved it. I appreciated your enthusiasm and, um, and we were working with our friend Cody from France. Cody's been on the show and uh, you two hooked up and chatted. And um, yeah, isn't he
2: the best? Do you, do you have the same, uh, is he your French boyfriend as
0: well? He's well, I think so. I think everybody's French boyfriend. He's, uh, just, we're, all, we're all dating him. It's just so easy to, um connect with him he's just there's so much ease and there's so much joy and he has such a great sense of humor yes um, yes yes <laughs> yeah so um yeah that would that that all kind of that whole synergy and energy that came together for the for, the, for that trip that i hope i'm crossing my fingers is going to happen one day so too.
1: Oh, I hope so too. We were so bummed. I'm still, I was thinking about grief this year and all the things that are changing and like, that's, I've been having grief over that trip. Mm-hmm. It was like this beautiful um, idea that I think kind of the seeds were planted with Sandra um, when you were working with Cody last year. And then, you know, when I met Cody in France in September, you know, they were kind of germinating those seeds and then in January, we're like, let's just pull the trigger. Let's just do this. We had no idea that there'd be a global pandemic, right? Like we didn't <laughs> just, so we were really pushing forward and, and Cody was being very cautious and we're like, no, we're going to make it happen. We make shit happen. We're just yeah. going to do it. You know, it'll be, and, and if we make $0, that's fine. We just want to go have this experience with other sober women and travel and connect. And, um, and, you know, we, in no way could we know what was about to happen. And um,
2: we, we, right. we sold it out in a week, Carol. But get, I was going to say, I but know. guess what? The proof is in the partial success that we had with uh-huh. it. So we can, we can recreate it. It can happen oh, again. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I,
0: I, I really do believe that there's a, there's a, there's a future in alcohol-free tours or these kinds of retreats that are um not necessarily focused on alcohol free although they 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 they, they are alcohol free but are um are experiencing and um uh enjoying you know well everything that there is to to enjoy in sober life you know just like and so bring not to italy or bring that to you know You know,
2: just right. And just to have the options. I mean, we, you know, we have normally have options of, you know, 20 different kinds of toilet paper when you walk into the door. So we should, or into a store, you know, we should have vacation options as well. And which, you know, kind of leads us to your business. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Carol? Um, Tell us the name of it and and what exactly it is you do.
0: Sure. Um, So the name of my company is Carol's Movable Feast. And um, the way that I sort of came to that name, because I, I, you know, it took me a long time to decide what to call what it is I do.
2: I love the name, by the way. I was just, I was, I had that in my notes to mention it. I just love the word feast. I love the word feast. It just sounds like so lush and indulgent feast.
0: Uh. Yeah. Feast is a, is a great word. It um, is. Feast is a great word, but anyhow, I spent a lot of time, you know, asking different people and writing up lists of, of different names. And um, the whole process was quite long because I had been working in this industry for, you know, 20, 25 years or so. Cause I just started my company just a few years ago and you know so for about a decade i led bike tours and then i transitioned into hiking tours and all the while you know on any of these trips there's usually a large food and wine focus so on those tours i was learning as i as as the years rolled on all about you know how people are making food in italy and what food means to them and what um how it fits in culturally and how it differs, not just from region to region, but from territory to territory. So you can be in a 50-mile radius in Tuscany and, you know, um, sitting in in a village piazza and they're serving you a dish that's made in a completely different way, even 20 kilometers away. So this became really like a kind of fascination, personal fascination for me. And beyond that, even just the food thing, um, I've really started taking on a deep appreciation for the artisans themselves, food artisans. So people making honey, um, beekeepers who then make honey, uh, chocolatiers, um, people making cheese, all the different types of cheese they're making in different regions of Italy. And olive um, oil and olive oil, olive right? oil of course, yes. and all the different food products. And then I took on a job uh, with Whole Foods Market for a period of time where I was taking around the what they call their buyers, their global buyers who are like really high level in Whole Foods Market, and some regional buyers. And they would come over and they would need a translator or they need someone to find them, you know, who makes the best uh, ricotta, blah, 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 near Ragusa. And in some cases, uh, some of these producers, well, they had to be big enough to produce enough for at least, you know, a region, <laughs> a regional stores, as a Whole Foods Market. So these, these, they couldn't be too small, but kind of medium-sized producers. Anyways, not to drag on about that, but I ended up going around and, and meeting lots and lots of these producers and going in. And when you go meet them, then you get invited to lunch and you sit down, and you have lunch, and Nona Nona grandma is there, and all of a sudden this just started growing and growing. And and next thing you knew, I had this huge list of all these different producers all over Italy. And I was getting a little, you know, on in, in the years of having run, you know biking tours and hiking tours for a variety of different large tour operators. And I just decided at one point, I my marriage ended and I, I was still kind of, I was very involved in the Whole Foods market work when my marriage ended um, in 2016. And I did a little bit more work for a couple of years with Whole Foods and then I just decided that I had such a wealth of knowledge and such great connections that I just, it was time for me to start my own thing. And that's how Carol's Movable Feast came about. And I, I also realized that there were so many different creative things that you could do beyond, you know, being in nature and meeting up with these amazing producers. But so I started doing very sort of creative pop-up picnics in the middle of the woods or in, in unusual places, different landscapes around Italy. With a couple of different chefs who move the food, they have these portable stoves and they move them with apé. If you know what an apé is, those little three-wheeled, uh, tr- three-wheeled trucks. It's like a little bit bigger than a Vespa, or imagine a Vespa with a cab on the back. You've probably seen them. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. yeah. And so they they um, they'll meet me like at midpoint on a hike and show up with um, you know food and put out a big spread and um, often it's kind of, maybe it's a surprise or not a surprise. And um, always, you know, always focusing on the foods that come from that area. And so I'm working with a bunch of different chefs all over Italy doing those kinds of things, just unusual places to have a hot or cold meal in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) So- I love
1: it. That sounds so fantastic. I mean, Cody was so jazzed on what you do and he was just like, we have to do this and we have to use Carol and she's going to take us to these places. And, um, I just, and the way he described it and and your website is so beautiful too, Carol. Um, there was kind of some synergy that week. I can't remember Sandra, um, you and I had been talking or reading or sharing a post, but the word bespoke kept coming up. Oh, right. Yeah. I love that word too. (laughs) And I, I went to your website and I was like, and you, you give bespoke tours. Is that how you describe it?
0: That's right. Because most of the work that I do is with, with people who have traveled with me in one way or another over the years, because now I've been in this business so long, I have people that, that know me. And so typically they've been to Italy already, uh, maybe even a couple of times. And so when they come with me, they want to do something very unusual. And so I designed almost every itinerary for every client. So I'm not kind of recycling that that many trips. It's all very customized and tailored to people's interests. Right. So, um, you know, I, I've had people come with very specific interests in the past. Like maybe they're, you know, crazy about truffles and they just want to go out and go, go hunting with a with a truffle hunter and learn all about the dogs. And then we're, you know, get, visiting people who are making products with truffles, and everything is about truffles, just as a... <laughs> right. Or, you know, artists and artisans, people come over and really want to meet people who are still doing things and still have the old, crickety old shops and studios and really want to dig into all that. And it could be weavers, or it could be, you know, leather workers, or... Um, so I've done so many different things now. Um, based on people's different interests. So it's exciting for me. It's a lot of work because I'm kind of recreating the wheel each time in a way, but I'm also learning and growing myself because I'm making new connections and meeting new people and learning about things I didn't even know existed. Right. That's what
2: I was going to say. I'm sure that once you make the connections, then they're there. And, you know, so it probably becomes easier and easier to tailor these tours. Um, yeah, as, as you get to know people and families, I have a question about that. And I mean, this is, I mean, you could probably spend an hour talking about this, but I'm I curious about the people there in the region. Do you find that, uh, especially like the artisans and the farmers, are these, are these, is this like a lineage of, of people, of Absolutely. families where they pass these? Um, trades and skills and land down or they're like new faces out there? What, what is that? What is that yeah. like?
0: I would say if I had to guess, you know, a percentage it's like 85 to 90% family handed down generations of, of people doing the same kind of work, fortunately. And then, and then there's some, um, some of that disappearing because the younger people don't want to do that kind of hard work um right they go off to the cities to find other jobs and and or leave italy or, or what have you and so um sometimes you have really young kind of ambitious innovative young people starting up something on their own and there's no kind of family involved in it um especially in the north especially in the veneto and piedmont uh you find these like young couples or young people doing really great things and and just kind of, you know, because they're kind of, they live it and it's around them and they found people to maybe mentor them or teach them the craft. Um, Mm. So, but most of it is family and generational. Um,
2: Right, where they just pass down. I just love the thought of that. I love, I love that. It just sounds so just, beautiful and rich. And yeah, I, I'm like you, I could probably go from place to place and, and just spend hours meeting these people and talking to them and, and learning yeah. about their craft. It's just sounds fascinating.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's interesting because it's, it's very, very creative. It's ended up being very much more creative than I ever would have imagined because when you put a tour together, it's like putting a puzzle together, you know, different, pieces and how is this going to flow and how much time do we have to get, which all sounds like kind of logistics, but it's also, it's it's not to sound too woo-woo, but it's like an energy flow too, because I know the personality of that person there and how that's going to be. And it's better if we go in the morning and he or she always talks a lot and there's a lot to, to allow for two hours and and then we've got to fit in a walk in there somewhere and you know it's just ends up being a kind of i like the creative process of that you know and i i actually i studied uh, film and video and photography that was that was sort of how i started off in 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 life and studied that and was going to go down the path of like working in film and video and i never got very far in that in that field i mean i worked for a couple of a couple of years in san francisco in the film industry but the the, the photographs and and photography is still a big part of my work now and it's it's, it's still something that i really really love mm,
2: yeah so yeah i'm sure you are you're just you're in the the, the through line is there Your interest in people it sounds like, because, you know, you have to be a, you have to be a person that's, that's interested in story, um, as a photographer and a filmmaker. So yeah, I can see how that there's that through line there.
1: And you're also setting a scene, right? Like you're setting a scene when you're creating these, um, these, uh, custom one of a kind, um, trips, and I think that's so cool, Carol. And then you get to see it all play out. And also, I mean, the, the, you're kind of the, the uh, you orchestrate the whole thing, you know? That's going right. to feel really beautiful. So you get to see it from, you know, inception to completion and that you've just, yeah, helped t- do like a, st- they're going to tell the story of their trip too. When they go home, it's going to kind of ripple out. I think it's so cool, Carol. And you, I want to ask you just as a creative and so creative entrepreneur, you're out there creating your business and creating these um, experiences for people, your website, did you create your website, Carol, because it's beautiful.
0: Uh, Yeah, the illustration is done by a guy named Francesco Zorzi, and he's- Francesco, uh, yes. Francesco (laughs) Zorzi, (laughs) and yeah, Z-O-R-Z-I, and his website is uh, it um he does beautiful beautiful work and he's just um, somebody that I knew locally and I loved his work and so I asked him if he would do the illustrations for my website yeah
1: it's so great
0: yeah, I, yeah. beautiful it's, it, it, you've
1: just done a beautiful job on the whole thing all of your um just the content and that uh, you're writing on it and descriptors and just it's beautiful you've done a great job on that
0: yeah, well, it's still very new and somewhat incomplete. You know, I mean, for the hmm. for I I have a um, a new kind of brand of tours that I'm calling Nutre, which in Italian means nourish. And so these are the alcohol-free free tours that I've been talking about that I ah. I'm launching. You know, as we speak, I'm putting together the the pages for this. But um, basically, the the focus will. Beyond all these things I've been talking about, all the artisans and all the things related to food, and because there's so much you can do beyond beyond wine tasting, you know, people think of Italy and they think, oh, wine tasting. And I've had people say, well, what do what do we do if we don't wine taste? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there is, there's just so much, you know, there's just so much. And um, so for the nourish the nourish part of that for me, what 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 that means is that. There is, there is a way of, of life here. There is something about um, a kind of healthy Italian lifestyle. If we, if we just remove the wine, we don't need to talk about the wine because Italians do drink wine, but there's so much more to their kind of approach to food and their sense of family and community and um, that any, anyhow, I've developed the, the program to kind of focus on all those things that, that equate kind of an, a healthy a healthy Italian approach to to life. And um, so I have two tours um, lined up so far, one in Tuscany and one in southern Italy, just south of Salerno in an area called Cilento, which is pretty unknown, but it's just south of the Amalfi Coast. Um, okay. and, just as beautiful as the amalfi coast, but but um, lesser known and um, and quite beautiful, so um, I just have these two tours I'm starting off with, and then I'll just gradually grow the program. That's awesome.
1: I think that's fantastic. I hope that really takes off
0: oh yeah 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 i'm, I'm yeah, I feel really positive about it. like I said earlier, I think that there's a new there's there's a there's room for it this, you know, this, uh, th- this concept of alcohol free tours and, and, uh, I mean retreat, most of the retreats that I've been on yoga retreats are, are alcohol free <laughs> anyhow. Right, you know, right. Most of the, um, being trips, the wellness trips. I mean, I mean, there are people doing yoga and wine, but, um, there's a lot of, there are, there are a lot of yoga trips out there already that don't involve alcohol.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Can we, um, I haven't talked about my imaginary boyfriend in a little while, um, rich Roll. So I kind of do want to talk about the connection you have with, with him. (laughs) You were supposed to help work. Um, he, he he does an Italy retreat, right. And he was supposed to be there, I think this week. Right.
0: Uh, yes, exactly. I think he's supposed yeah. to be there. And... I, think he just, I think he just posted something on Instagram today or yesterday about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. He and Julie do uh, a yearly retreat out of a villa that is 15 minutes from my house. It's very close to me. And, I, and I'm, I'm an avid fan of Ritual. I've been following his podcast for three, four years now and just really, really love him. And I, lo- I love her work as well. Are you Judy. trying
1: to get in on my imaginary boyfriend? Is that what is? I,
0: <laughs> I feel like?
1: That's what's happening right now. I feel a little uncomfortable. Imaginary boyfriend for, for many many women.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right,
1: fine. I'll, I'll share them
0: with you. <laughs> you seem to have a a little closer connection than I do. <laughs> so I do most of my communicating with Julie because Julie, I think, is kind of you know the the person who's much more hands-on involved in the, in the retreat in Italy because she found the Villa herself. She had a connection to the people at the Villa like years, I think even before she met Rich, cause she'd been coming to Italy for a long time. And um, yeah, so they do this, they do this very, very beautiful retreat with, whereby they invite guests to come and speak. And um, then, you know, he goes out, off and does his, long runs with people every morning and um um, they serve up plant-based meals and so i i you know i'm kind of i've become a kind of local contact for them for excursions and visits to producers there's not that much time because they have a pretty intense program of their own but um i got involved with them um in the past couple of years so that's that's been exciting and uh that's, how I, did you find, do you know, I don't even know how I, f- I think I just s- saw that, you know, they had the book about their plant-based diet, um, book of recipes. And, um, I saw that they were doing things in Italy and I thought, Hmm, I wonder, I wonder where they are. And then just looked it up and there, there it was like right up the street from me. And that's, that's happened on a couple of occasions also with David white, you know, who, who runs retreats in Italy and, and, I found out that that was also another thing that was very close by and yeah, I just, I just started realizing that there were lots of things happening around me that, um, if I wasn't on Instagram or, um, you know, following a little bit of social media, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known any of that. It's so funny how it how works. Right.
2: Um, well, I, so you mentioned David White. Now I have to, now I have to hear a little bit about what he is like and like to work with and i don't know just be in the presence of
0: yeah he's very magical um david white loves to walk so um i think the first retreat he did was in ireland because of course he's irish right so he brings a group to ireland and so the way he leads his retreats is he does a morning session where whereby he recites um, new poems old poems and then he'll lecture about those poems so there's always like a subject of the day so you spend the morning doing that and then there's like a, a lunch and then in the afternoon you hike with him and of course you know if you if you walk alongside him and you know you you reap the benefits of all his yes. life <laughs> wisdom just um and then of course you know the amazing meals in the evening and so forth and then so it's just a week of um of poetry and lectures and walking and you know some people write do a little bit of poetry there on on the retreat as well um so it's very beautiful it's a very beautiful experience but of course he has a real strong connection to nature Mm -hmm. and you know uh he i i think that 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 he started the trip because he just loves he just loves walking in tuscany and um, there are enough people out there who would who would love to walk in Tuscany with David White. So. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: I bet. Mm-hmm, I bet there's no shortage of of people that would like to walk in Tuscany with David White. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine
1: like walking with your notebook
2: trailing behind
1: him, listening to I would just be like dictating every word he was saying right. someone walking next to Can you repeat, that?
0: Him. Can, can you repeat <laughs> that, David White? Yeah. Like, he, <laughs> he has a very commanding presence and
2: uh he seems like he seems very tall and he's obviously very handsome and he's not he's,
0: tall.
2: He's not? He's oh god, shorter. he seems
0: just he's a shorter man. I mean, I'm five nine. I would say he's either maybe just my height. That is so interesting. Literal, literal. He's, he's a, kind of a little guy. Not not little, little, but shorter and projects Well, then taller. that just,
2: right. I was just going to say, then that just even speaks more to the fact of that he has this commanding presence because I exactly. never would have guessed that.
0: He has a very commanding presence and his voice is so magical and soothing that when you hear him live you're sitting there because it's the it's based at a villa and it's like cozy cozy um salon i guess where where they where they do the readings and the lectures and so you're all kind of sitting close by and he's right there and his voice is so i i I don't know it's like it's it's like a warm cup of tea on a cold
2: day That is a very good description. (laughs) Mm.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, that was a lovely, Mm (laughs) yes. Well, I think that in this day and age, it's so awesome to see like how we can make these connections through social media. I know social media can get a really bad rap. It's how I met Sandra, you know, and I am grateful for it. It's how I met you and I'm talking to you. Exactly. Um, Exactly. I think it's beautiful when these connections can be made. And I think it's so smart and business savvy of you to reach out and connect those dots because yeah there it is they're right there 15 minutes away you obviously have a perfect service to offer them and yeah
0: and i so admire you know admire these folks i mean you know david and and ritual and a few others that are doing amazing things here just in tuscany and other parts of italy but i th- so i thought to myself if i can assist in some way share a bit of my knowledge i can also learn a bit about how they're doing these retreats what goes on how it's you know how the format of the whole thing and just it's very very interesting to see how how they're how they're working here in italy you
1: know absolutely so that yeah taking notes that's that's why i take workshops from other artists i mean i take it to learn the skill but i'm taking it so i can know how i can do my own right in the back of my mind the whole time that's why i take notes like how can i do this in my own way put my stamp on it but how is it how does it work? And I think that's why we wanted to do this retreat too. like, how can we make this work um, and figure it out and enjoy it and have a great trip um, with other people who share our, um, I don't know, our lifestyle, you know, going alcohol free and traveling is kind of it can be a really stressful thing to travel and yeah. um, doing it without drinking going to airports, airport bars, you know, passing by them, being on a plane and not having a Bloody Mary was really hard for me in the beginning. That's right. just like, was my go-to sit in a seat. Didn't matter what time it was. doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm going to have a Bloody Mary on this plane and uh, be really parched and dehydrated when I get off of it. And uh, I had to, I had to change that. And I thought that by going on this trip and meeting ladies and when um, I mean, we had a beautiful trip mapped out, staying at the beautiful convent, uh, the Go converted on. old convent right in, was that right? Where we starting? Tano, just
0: south of just south of Florence, right? Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful villa. Um, yeah. But it's all gonna oh, have villa.
2: It's
0: all gonna happen I know. Yeah. Oh, I hope somebody books
1: that villa and we get our money back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of, I was gonna, I was just gonna bring it up just briefly. How is the how, how, uh, how has, is COVID and the pandemic, how does it look there now for, for you? Well, Um, you
0: know, I, I I would say that, that um, there was a lot of confusion initially, right? Because Italy followed China. And so it just, there was, it was just chaos. And, um, you know, the, the prime minister was getting on the, um, oh, I'm sorry, president of, Italy, not the Prime Minister, but Conte was on, um, you know, weird hours, like nine o'clock at night, or at one point he he got on at like two in the morning and would say, you know, this is, this is what we're going to do, and we need to do this, and was very kind of direct about what the instructions were. When, when he did come out and speak, he said, this is what we're going to do, phase one. And then, you know, whatever it was, 20 days later, 15 days later, he came out and said, this is what, this is the next phase. And people, I mean, amazingly so, Italians followed the rules, and I I think there was a lot of fear. I think people were very afraid, and because the population is so elderly, um, you know, it, it was devastating to the population here, and so people got scared, and the family unit is so tight, and people were losing their grandmothers and their aunts and their uncles, and it was very was felt in a very intense way and people got scared and just shut themselves up in their house they, they were quite diligent about it i mean i i live in the countryside so i could get out and go walk in the woods and wouldn't see a person all day long and so i kind of did that and that was my saving grace but people in towns and cities did not leave their houses mm, yeah long. and um you know, so with, there there have been some recent clusters uh, popping up of, of some new cases and so forth. But overall, I think the, the Italians handled it in, in a fairly good way. And um, there was a lot of criticism, I think, initially. But again, I think it was because the rest of the world didn't really know. And um, Italy was one of the first to be hit so hard. And yeah, they made mistakes, but I think they, they, they you know, the 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 people here, um, again, just call, kind of followed what 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 they needed to do, and um, so things didn't get out of control. Right. Now, so, is it more or less business as usual? Or? People are going back to business as usual, but a lot of businesses, small businesses, in here in Italy, we have a lot of those, didn't make it. You mm. know, And and. And aren't going to make it through a year of no business and tourism. Of course, has been hit. The hardest yeah, there's have. a
2: travel ban. You, you, we can't. You, the U.S. can't even travel currently to, to Europe.
0: Exactly, and they're going to reevaluate. I think on August 1st um, about that. But you know, so Europeans, uh, Europeans are coming down and into Italy right now a little bit, and so there's a little bit of movement, but. Florence, this time of year is is usually packed, and um, mm. you know if you go into Florence today, it's I mean it's actually kind of beautiful for us not to have so much tourism. Or I have friends in Paris who said Paris is amazing right now. Right, um, <laughs> nobody's you know, there. It's a beautiful time to experience all these places and all these museums without the lines and without right. the crowds. But you know, so things are, are are coming back to life. But tourism, I don't know how some. You know, I was fortunate in that I had a very full year, a very full spring and full fall. And all my trips got moved to 2021. And so um, I'm going to make it through this year okay. Um, but, you know, basically all my work went away and nothing's really going to happen again until next spring. Oh. because Because people just don't know when they can travel. And my market is mostly American, Australian and British. So um, yeah, people just don't know when, when, when they can come over. And so it's very difficult to even plan anything. And. Right.
1: uh, I think because this new band that's in effect is make, it's making me dream about Paris. It made me think so much about this trip. And like I said, kind of the grieving that it wasn't going to happen. And, um, I don't like to be told what I can and can't do. Right? Does anybody? <laughs> you cannot travel to Europe. Well, now I want to go so bad. Right. Um, but, well, yeah.
0: hopefully, hopefully that'll that'll be the way a lot of people will feel, and that they will come back. You know, yeah. next year. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I oh. think people are gonna be starving for experience again. So yeah.
1: <laughs> for sure. For sure. Oh, well, Carol, we're gonna wrap this up. This has been such a beautiful conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. You Thank do. you so you much. Thank all of your help um, for giving us your services and helping and, and talking with Cody. And I know that we had to cancel that. Um, but we look forward to a future of of doing it again. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. We, will, we will figure that out. That is definitely still on our radar. Um yes but um we are at this point of the show we're going to have you share all the ways people can find you um but we wanted to ask you first um like we ask all of our guests if you have um tools that you wouldn't mind sharing with our listeners that are in your unruffled toolbox either sobriety related or creative related like whatever
0: whatever you got do you have three things for us I do. I actually, I have many more than three, but I, <laughs> so it was a tough decision. I, I mean, thinking about it, I was like, wow, how do I decide what, what's, what, what are the most powerful tool tools, but I would say that, so my first one is connection and movement in nature, my connection to and movement in nature, you know, so I do a little bit of trail running, I hike. And then starting up back to doing some road cycling again, cause I kind of, I hadn't been cycling for years and now I'm cycling again. Um, but so just being in nature and I'm so fortunate to have nature right outside my door, but that's been a very meditative kind of experience for me all through sobriety. And then I do, um, an abundance meditation that I've done. I don't know if you've ever heard of this with Deepak Chopra, he has an abundance meditation and it's a 20 day, 21 day thing that for me is just another way to practice gratitude. Yeah, right. Um, It's, um, it's just, you know, recognizing how much abundance we have in our lives every day from small things to bigger things or realizing how it is that we can create more and bring more abundance into our lives. So um, I've done this 21 day meditation of his, I, I think four or five times now. Um, so I'll do it and then I'll wait two, three more months and, and then do it again. And it's been a really helpful tool for me. And I take notes, you know, while I'm doing it and each morning after I listen to it. So that's been a great one. And then, um, you know, the other tool, and I don't even know how to label this as a tool tool, but I think um, sitting with the painful um, feelings, thoughts, and beliefs and journaling about those has been what was really what, what it came down to for me after I decided, okay, this is it. I just, this is not serving me anymore to drink alcohol. I also realized that then, okay, then the real shit begins, right? Okay, now I have to deal with the feelings or what it was I was uncomfortable with, the the discomfort, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I found that like sitting with it and writing it down and letting myself feel all that within my body and then taking notes again, just observing like how I felt it in my body Mm -hmm. and taking notes and then maybe Reading something afterwards, like a I don't know, a Kundalini paragraph or a, or even like a, a daily retreat reprieve, or um, something beautiful, and then write once again in my journal how I felt after reading something beautiful. I had all all these kind of um, ways of dealing with the uncomfortable feelings because those are the moments when when you want to have a drink, right? You know, or, or food or some way to just stuff and numb or
1: journaling but is such a powerful tool Carol. And it's like available to us, a pen and, and a notebook, right? Right. I think that it's it's a, such a tool that's so powerful. I resist it. I have to tell you. Um, but yeah, it's available for everyone. Yeah. Oh. Thank you so much, Carol. Um, so, um, dot is where they can find your beautiful website. And right. I know that I follow you on Instagram um, at Carol's underscore movable underscore feast. Where are other places that you like to connect?
0: I have um I have a Facebook page, Carol's Moveable Feast. I'm on Twitter, although not, I must admit, not super active at Carol underscore Sigbaldi. And um, yeah, those would be those would be almost the, the most active sites. I'm, I'm, you know, I write a little bit for Medium, so I've posted some articles on Medium.
1: Oh, okay. Posted something
0: about um, it. It's, it was called a love story: Italy's vanishing elders, and it was all about you know. I loved that.
2: Uh, I read that. Oh, thank you, thank you. That yeah, was beautiful.
0: So that you can find on my website, on the blog, or on Medium, and I'm trying to post things every now and then on, on Medium, because I know it's another thing that I do is just kind of write and blog about about Italy.
1: Well, I'm gonna follow you right this second on Facebook, because I didn't realize that I wasn't, because I wanna know more about what you're doing. Um, okay great. Well our listeners can can listen. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your story, Carol. Yeah. And, um I'm yeah. so glad to have this. It's beautiful on,
2: connection with you. Yeah.
1: It's been a it's been a treat to get to know you um, prior to this interview and to get to know you better here. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Carol. Bye.
0: Ciao.
1: The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris
2: Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.